Welcome everyone to episode number 35 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast, the Creators Series. Today's guest is someone I've been following, I think, for the last six years, seven years now. Um, I'd say around 2014. His name is Preach Balfour. He's been um, doing composition work and production for the last 20 years. He talks about in this episode uh, about getting his start with Anthony Hamilton, uh, working on his first album, I believe, and uh, how Anthony took him on tour and how he learned a lot of experiences from that. He took that and eventually ended up working with T-Pain, LL Cool J, a lot of other big artists. Um, I actually discovered his work around the time of uh, Hip Boy's HS87 movement in 2014. Uh, he was a part of a good amount of those songs for Audio Push, Kemp Money, uh, the whole group. He actually is still working with them pretty closely. I believe he was just a part of Price from Audio Push, his uh, colored album that released at the end of 2020. He had a co-production on there, so I presume he's still working pretty heavily with them. But man, Preach is a really like funny dude, but he's also very like to the point about everything. Like you'll hear it in this episode. Like I just let him kind of do his thing and like give some real like cold hard advice to creators and uh, really he just gave a lot of great business advice or just um, if if you know you're looking to do music say you're just getting started this might be the episode for you because I feel like it gets very to the point about the cold hard realities of the industry like you really gotta be in it for just the love of the music at the end of the day because there's a lot of shit you're gonna go through regardless of if you like it or not and if you want to do this you know for a living or you want to like make it a lifelong thing uh you know there's just some of the stuff that we have to get through um that sometimes isn't always fun it's not always uh pretty but it is a necessity and i'm glad that he touched on that in this episode in a big way um so this is actually a really dope uh episode that is a little bit different from the last few like i said this is a little bit more harsh uh, some of you guys might need to hear this as a refresher, so I hope you guys enjoy. I know I did, and let's get into the episode. Okay, welcome everyone to episode number 35 here on the Proven Knowledge Podcast. This is the Creator Series. Today we got a really talented musician. <laughs> He's doing some crazy stuff off off this uh, camera right now, but we got a very talented guy on the show today, a guy I've been following for, I think, like six or seven years now. He's worked with a ton of great artists, uh, T-Pain, LL Cool J, Hip Boy, a ton of great people. Uh, Preach Balfour, how are you, man? I'm gravy, baby. I'm gravy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Like I said before, uh, thank you for reaching out back to me to be on the show today. You know, I've been waiting on this for a while. Um, so really just to kick it off, we kind of have the guests give like a little bit of background about, you know, how they got into music, just kind of a bit of your origin story, if you will, just for the people that might not have heard of you before or your work. So. Okay. Um, well, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, born and raised. I went to Berkeley College of Money. I mean, sorry, College of Music. <laughs> Hopefully the money came from um, the music, though, so maybe it is money. <laughs> I mean, you know, they overcharge and overpriced and <laughs> shit. You know how I go. Yep. Um, but yeah, went to Berkeley, and then I, um, after I graduated, I stayed in Boston for like maybe two years and then made my way to the West Coast. And then I got, um, I mean, I mean, I've been playing piano since shit. I was five, and um, been doing the music thing forever. And uh, when I moved to Cali, um, after I got, I think my first kind of like session, it was like I was uh, I got the call to do Anthony Hamilton's first album. Mm. And um, we were actually working on just recording records. It didn't. We didn't know what it was going to be for per se, uh, because he was at the time he was thinking about signing with Interscope, and we were doing sessions under the umbrella, under the auspice of Interscope. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up signing with So So Deaf. Who knew? But from that, those sessions landed records for his album. And then from there, his manager got at me like, yo, 
what you doing? Do you want to go on tour? Because he's going to need a band. And I was like, let me think about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Shit just cracked off from there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We've just been doing it ever since. That was like 2002. No, 2003. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, so you kind of took that opportunity yeah. and just ran with it then. Like you were just presented that and you were just like, why would I not take that? take advantage of that you know what i mean like it's right there so yeah i mean especially if cats are if since they asked me mm-hmm. to go on tour apparently they believe that i could handle whatever it was that whatever the task was at hand mm-hmm. so i was like fuck it let me jump on i wasn't doing anything else and that's the other thing it wasn't hard for me to decide because i had just moved to cali and i wasn't working or doing shit else so i was like let me jump on this. Okay. And did it. And was his, and then ended up becoming his musical director. And I stayed with Anthony like five years, something like that, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's just, pretty crazy. Cause like, you know I mean? yeah, cause I didn't, I didn't really know how you kind of like got your start in like the industry and whatnot and kind of like how that kind of just began for you. So you, it's kind of been like about 20 years now, right? As far as like, that whole thing is yeah, pretty much yeah. I mean like see the thing was for me because I'm from Memphis I was playing with like choirs and you know stuff like that playing in church because I had mm-hmm. you know been growing up in church and playing in churches I've been playing for churches like being the musician or instrumentalist at the church since I was like 15 mm-hmm. so doing that I was doing the choir scene and was doing a lot of gospel stuff so when I went to Boston I started doing that up in Boston, working with various gospel artists, Kirk Carr, when he came to town, um, a couple of other people when they came into town and, you know, I played then. So it was, it wasn't that difficult Mm -hmm. to, you know what I mean? To make that transition, if you will, once I moved to Cali, Mm -hmm. I had just been doing it for so long. It was just a, it was just an extension of what I had already been doing. It's just the difference was the people that I was working with didn't know that about me mm-hmm. because like give you an example when Anthony was looking for a musical director he didn't know that that's what I could do all he knew me for was playing keys that was it and singing he didn't know that did he know that I could tap dance no did he know that I scored films no did he know that I I'm an actor? No. Did he know that I do voiceovers? No. He just knew that I played keys and I sang. And I was like, bruh, why are you going to spend thousands of dollars to go get a musical director that's not even going to be on the road with us? Mm. Why don't you let me do it? And then I ended up being the musical director. Mm. That's like everything just falling into place, though. Like, like he needed, like, your skill set. You just happened to be, like, there at the time. I'm just like... Why not me? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, that's such a crazy story, though. And like, I, I could tell, like, even from hearing your stuff that I figured you were in it for even longer than that. Like you just said, you've kind of been doing it since you were 15, just like your entire musical like journey since then and everything. And because I could tell, like, every song I've ever heard you like be a part of, it was very like musically driven and you would just add that emotion to the songs you know what i mean like every song i've heard from you you kind of come in and like add the extra boost to the song in my opinion like you'll just add like you know what's funny um the funny part about that that you're saying is what i didn't realize was that that you're saying mm-hmm. like my part was the thing that was the driving force like the shit that i'm on i didn't realize until like years later that what I'm doing is so important. I just looked at it as, okay, this is just my job. Mm -hmm. I would say 90% of the shit that you've heard me on started with me. Mm. The record started with me first. It was never cats coming in. uh, The record was done and then they want me to jump on it. I'm not saying that I don't do shit like that because I do. But for the most part, it's always been shit that started with me. Mm. And everything was built around what I did. Who knew? You got that. You got that like catalyst effect, though. I mean, that's like you're like the nucleus for like how that record like gets going. You know what I mean? Like becomes what it is. So speaking of that, kind of like my next question. That kind of leads into my next question, which is 
for you for everything you start is there a certain way you're starting out these songs or these records like is there an instrument you're going toward or like has there never really been a set way of how you do that um not really i um i have a couple of different approaches there are times that uh, cats call me just to lay keys on something and it's not something it's something that was already there mm-hmm. so all they needed was you know some extra production when i do that I'm um, usually trying to think of adding whatever it is that's going to make it sound different than the stuff that you're constantly hearing. Mm -hmm. Or there might be times that if um, I'm called to do a session, I will mathematically approach the record. Like they'll tell me, okay, we just want you to do you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll play two different keyboards in the verses, but when it comes to the hook, I'll do four. But I'm going to play a third part leading those two together. Mm. So I have made my own crescendo. So that's how I mathematically approach this record. Or I said, you know what? I want to make my approach on this record extremely soft, but you know it's there. You know what I mean? So like sometimes I'll do it musically or sometimes I'll add shit mathematically. It just depends on the record. Mm. It's almost like the stuff that's like in a song that you really don't know that it's there until it's gone. You know what I mean? Like if you took certain parts away, you'd notice it. But when it's in there, you might not notice it just kind of sitting in the background. That's kind of it's interesting. Kinda like, exactly. The thing that I do, I want I want my part, whatever it is that I'm doing. If I'm producing something, if I'm just laying keys, I want my part to be so profound that when it's not there, you know it. But you may not know exactly what it is, or sometimes you might. Either way, you know that my part is what it is. Mm. And it made massive significance on this particular thing. Okay, good example of what I'm talking about. You know Marvin Gaye's um, What's Going On? Mm. I've heard it, especially from my dad, because he listens to a lot of like 70s and like music and stuff. So the next time when you listen to that record, listen to the drums. Because the drums, it's two different drum parts playing on that song. Two totally different drum patterns mm. that are being brought, that have been compiled to make that record. If you muted one of those drums, you'd be like, that's what's going on? Sounds totally different. Totally. Mm. Totally. But it's like, damn, okay. Kind of like, like with Marvin Gaye. The thing that made Marvin different was he was the first motherfucker, if not the only, that would use two lead tracks for his vocals. Mm. You had two lead tracks. Like, who the fuck does two lead parts? (laughs) You sing one fucking lead. It's the melody, and that's what people will follow. He was the only motherfucker that did two leads, and he argued Barry Gordy down over that. Barry would tell him, bro, you got to mute one of these parts. You got to get rid of them. And, and Marvin would tell him, like, nah, that's what makes this shit dope. It's two different leads. That's what makes it different. Yeah. And oddly enough, if you muted one of those parts, you'd be like, something's missing. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's crazy, too, because even back then, they probably looked at him like he was nuts. Like, they were like, what Absolutely are you doing? <laughs> like, like, bro, nobody's doing two lead tracks. What the fuck yeah. are you doing? I don't give a fuck what genre of music. Rock, soul, church. Bruh. It's, it, you need if one motherfucker is singing the lead, he's not gonna double it up mm. and do like other ad libs that lead into a lead. Who the fuck's doing that? No. Nope. <laughs> you know crazy. what I mean? And that was in the sixties slash seventies. That's that's wild, and like that, I think that goes back too to like the attention to detail too, and like. Kind of like someone like Marvin Gaye, like he's a pioneer, you know what I mean? Like only he knew what his like sound was and distinct like style he was going for and everything. And like, I think like that's kind of like the approach you've taken in your music is just like you have the set vision of what you're doing every single time. Like you're, you take your skill set and you know exactly what you're trying to do when you approach these songs and you just kind of just apply what you know every single time. 
So Yeah, I, I, I want to say that's what I do. But the thing is, what I try to do with my music, because I listen to so much music, my shit is pretty vast. The shit that I listen to, I listen to so much music that there's certain music that I don't listen to if I'm around certain people. Mm-hmm. Because I know they won't get it. Mm-hmm. I dig Gregorian chants all day long. I learn that shit. Sit down, shed it all day. I'll sit down with a Stravinsky piece and learn it and really learn the orchestration of what's happening. How many strings? Is it uh, cello, viola, and fucking, you know, like I'm really digging into the shit. Mm-hmm. I will listen to film scores. I will listen to hip hop. I listen to country. I fuck with all of these genres and I take all kind of shit from all of them and apply them in different areas as well as that area. So since I'm a bebop head, of course I'm going to play jazz. I got a couple of jazz records that I'm going to release. But what I'll do is take jazz shit and throw it in R&B. Or I may take country shit and put it in classical. Or take classical shit and put it in hip hop. But these other motherfuckers don't really listen to that shit, so I try to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to do in anything that I'm writing, producing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I want you to be able to hear, oh shit, there's some vocal jazz shit in there, but that's hip-hop. Dude, is this motherfucker from church? <laughs> like, all of that shit goes through your head in one fucking record. Or something else you may have heard, you know what I mean? Yep. That's how different I try to be. Mm-hmm. That's funny because that you kind of just answered my next question because I was going to kind of ask if you do study like classical composers or like people that you might not expect. As I was yes, like, if he's like a real musician, I know this dude's like a freaking beast. Like he has to like study some shit that like no one would really be looking at for the most part. I talked to. Me, um, I don't just I don't just fuck with the instrument like my principal instrument i'm yeah. a pianist mm-hmm. but i listen to horn players i listen to guitarists i listen to saxophonists fucking harmonica players i listen to flautists i will fucking shed a bassoon solo in a classical <laughs> i'm listening to all of this shit so that all of this can you know what i mean help me with film scoring mm-hmm. with making a record like a lot of times one of the biggest compliments i got was somebody heard a record that I did and they said, bruh, that shit sounds like something from a movie. Like you scored that in a, and I'm like, nice. That means you can visually see what it is I wanted you to feel. Mm -hmm. That's a talent. That's like the most challenging thing to do. I I think that's why like the people that do film scores are so like talented because they'll give them a piece of like visual and they'll say, okay, you have to compose around this. And you have to make the mood for this scene. Like, that is, like, impossible unless you really know inside and out, like, scales and, like, the real, like, finite details of music. I feel like it's almost impossible to do that in the right way. So, that stuff is always fascinating. I mean, it can be done, but it just, it's very difficult if you don't have, like, all of that shit Mm -hmm. under your belt. Mm -hmm. But little nuances... Knowing various shit and various styles of music will help you to navigate fucking with whatever you fucking with. Mm-hmm. I explained this to um, my engineer. I said, dude, there's certain shit that you won't hear in R&B that you hear in country or that you hear in gospel. In R&B, you don't hear people singing gospel lyrics like the Tony Braxton record that was huge as hell for her. That song on the um, the Boomerang soundtrack. And I shall never breathe again. And I can't stop thinking about it. And I can't get you out of my mind. On the last phrase of that song, she says, And I shall never breathe again. Who the fuck says <laughs> shall in R&B music? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Little shit like that, knowing that, can help you do your shit to be different. To grab motherfuckers' attention like... I don't know why I like that song. And you're like, because it's reminiscent to gospel from one lyric. Mm-hmm. Knowing, like you said earlier, paying attention to that type of detail mm-hmm. helps you to do your shit. 
It's the yeah, things that you, you would never. You do. It's the things you would never notice. Just like if you're surface listening, you probably wouldn't pick up on it. But like over time, if you study more and more, and you study kind of like what goes into making these songs, then you're like, oh, okay, kind of makes more sense why they made this decision here, and why this was left out, and like all the little things that made it a whole record. So exactly was, that stuff's like the most interesting stuff to me like i know it, i know to some people that kind of like takes away the magic a little bit but like as a creator i think it's I really dope that. i don't necessarily i don't necessarily agree i don't mean to cut you off no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that i the only reason i say that is because all of that shit contributes to the magic mm-hmm. it's just that the average motherfucker doesn't pay attention to it because it's not something that was put in the forefront like hey listen to this part like watch this you know that song uh drop it like it's hot mm. drop it like it's hot when mm-hmm. the pimps get a rid- when you listen to that shit there is a fucking uh it's pinkage that little <laughs> happens in the fucking song and it's loud in the forefront and it cuts off at the end of each phrase. That's what makes the record hot. Mute that shit and people will say, what's missing? I don't know what it, <laughs> that little fucking <laughs> But they don't know that. Mm-hmm. That's your job as the producer, as the songwriter, as the composer, as the arranger to know that. Mm-hmm to put that influence in it to bring that shit out you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. that's what film scoring is all about I'm trying to get you to feel what I want you to really feel what you see if you see this person dreaming about some shit I need to come up with something that would sound like them dreaming what the fuck does a dream sound like <laughs> if you ask a motherfucker that they can't answer that mm-hmm. for you but if they heard it they would say, oh, it's like that. Mm. That's what you got to do. Figure that shit out. Mm. I love that. That's That ties into sound design. You know what I mean? Yeah, another Because th- I do that kind of shit, too. Yeah, I add that kind of shit to records. That's another thing that just takes that amount of skill, too. And, like, I totally agree with you, though. I don't think it takes away the magic. I think I, I've definitely heard that, though. People say that, and I'm just like, yeah, but without that, like you said, without that little thing that's added in there that you might not hear, then it's totally different. And, like, you wouldn't know unless it's gone, like we said before. So I just think it's all about the whole process and how it all comes together at the end of the day. But uh, Because it's, it's the same thing. It's kind of like the same thing as when people say that, like, about certain songs. When we found out as, like, average motherfuckers, if you found out that this big-ass hit, was supposed to go with this artist over here, but they didn't take it. And now it's a hit over here. The first thing that they say is people say, oh man, I bet they didn't blah, blah, blah. I bet you they wish they, no, Mm -hmm. they just didn't hear this finished product like that. They heard it like they heard it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the fucking song, uh, happy that Pharrell wrote for the, uh, despicable me too. He wrote that shit for CeeLo. I didn't know that actually. He wrote that for CeeLo hmm. originally. CeeLo didn't take it. So if he didn't put the shit out, he would have never made this big ass record, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And considering what it is, he wrote happy at 100%. You know how big that fucking record was? Huge. Probably the biggest record of like 2013 when it came out, honestly. You know what I mean? So, so it's like you don't with the, that. To me, that's the magic of the music shit because you don't know what's gonna blow. You don't know what's gonna suck. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You gotta take your chance and just. I didn't know that. Good example. I didn't know that Anthony Hamilton's first album would go platinum. But considering how hard he was on the grind, I played with him and he toured for at least a year and a half off of that first album. And he sold over 15 to 20,000 units a week for a year and a half. That little bitty creeping 
20 here, 22 here, maybe 50, 60. That shit adds up. Mm. And now you got a platinum motherfucking thing under your belt. Now, did that happen over... He went, uh, like I heard Kid Capri say, Anthony went platinum on the hush. Now motherfuckers think that because you didn't grab everybody's attention in the first week and go platinum, your song sucks. Mm. Or it ain't big. It doesn't have that magic. It's all subjective. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That goes back to, like, just trusting the process, though, because it does take time. Like, there's certain songs, I feel like, that were... Came, when they came out, they really weren't that popular. But then 20 years down the line, then people caught on and were like, oh, this was really good. We kind of slept on this one. And, like, then it becomes popular. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it literally is like just kind of like a dice roll. People, I, love to see, I love to see when people get paid for the song that may have been big or not all over again because it's gotten big again. Mm-hmm. Like to see Shaka Khan's through the wire or through the fire hmm. get big all over again because Kanye sampled it. And what's crazy is Shaka Khan fucking hates Kanye's version. I've of her seen song. that. I've seen her quote where she said she didn't like enjoy it at all. Like when she heard it. <laughs> it. But she's not mad at that money no. coming in all over again nope. for the same song. Same thing, and she didn't really have to do anything. She just sits back and gets because the money. Because he so. sampled it, and yep. we talking about copyright law. Yep. Yeah, that, that that part is dope to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all just like a, such a crazy like experience. Like it, I feel like mm-hmm. as a fan, like if you don't like understand like the ins and outs of it, it's always very like cool to hear like the stories from people that have kind of like either been a part of it or like we've seen you know that. It's happened for people, so. But as a, as a creator, I think like the most important thing is to just keep creating and just see what happens for you, because you never really know. Like the record you think that could be the biggest thing might not be anything, but the record you just slept on or you kind of didn't like is the record that everyone will attach to and be like, "Man, this is awesome!" Like you just don't know. And I can I can genuinely attest to that that what you just said usually. 75 to 85 percent of the time, the way that it goes mm-hmm. the shit that you love i'm talking about when you made it you like yeah, this shit is fire as soon as i get with someone so they gonna love shit. and when you push play they're like okay that's cool what else you got and you're like what the fuck i thought this was like i think you're like what the fuck and you fuck around and press play by accident on some what the fuck was that you play it, and then they're like, dude, this shit is crazy. And in your head, and it's been a few sessions where I've said it out loudly, this? You like this shit? Cool. It's like the stuff you put. It's like you, the stuff that you put very minimal effort into or you made like in 20 minutes sometimes, and that's the stuff that they are like, oh, man, this is that's awesome. That's the shit that they like, love. I mean, so. oh, fucking... They will go nuts over it. Good, okay, good example. When uh, when Payne and I did Can't Believe It, right? Mm-hmm. Technically speaking, we were in the studio for about three months compiling his out the Three Rings album. We, we recorded maybe like 40 songs and he presented them to the label at the time and they heard the shit. And was like, yo, you got some great melodies. You know, labels, this is what they do, right? The suits. You have great melodies. It's great, man. It's fantastic. So, I mean, it's great melodies. It sounds great. I mean, everything is good, man. I love your harmonies. I love the production. It's great. It's fantastic, man. We, we got another one right here. I, I love it. Literally, less than 24 hours later, they called him and said, yeah, all of this is great, but you don't have the single. And we can't release any of this until you at least get a single. Pain went into like, mentally, he was like completely all fucked up the whole nine. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make a single. Mathematically, he thought about it. He said, yo, I'm going to do a record, but I'm not going to do any harmony. I'm not going to do any background vocals at all. It's just going to be a one line. And I was like, okay. So he had the drums up. And he played ba da 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 
You know, you usually hear people fucking with these black keys. That's what he said to me. So let's do something off that. I was like, okay. He put that down, and I played a bunch of other shit around it. We came up, we can't believe it. If you listen to that track, it's only maybe seven tracks on the song. Payne's main vocal, a kick, an 808, a snap, the fucking three keyboards. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And when he showed it to the label, what did they do? They went crazy. Oh, my God, this is the single. This is blah, blah, blah. And Payne looked right at me and said, but you see what I'm saying? Like, I just I just went in there and did a one-liner. That shit don't even sound finished to me. And I was like, but that's what they said they want. I don't, I don't get it either. But that was, can't believe it. And next thing you know, he sent that shit to Wayne. Wayne laid his verse. Here we go. This is the first single off the album. Okay. And, it, and it's and it the, it's one of the most simple ones, and it's thrown in at the last minute, just like, oh yeah, here you go, like. It's, it was like, like okay. But if you t- <laughs> if you told like the average like listener who knows nothing about like music making, I feel like they wouldn't believe you, or they'd be like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. But like, it, I guess most of the time it doesn't make sense. If that makes sense, that it doesn't make sense. Right, it's it's everything regarding the music industry, everything else that's outside of what people see Mm. is the shit that's completely nonsensical. Mm. I had to explain to a friend of mine before that I would say 70 to 85% of the music you hear on radio was fucking composed between 9 at night and 6 in the morning. Nobody does records. Like, young motherfuckers don't do records during the day. Not most of the time. I mean, they don't treat it like a nine to five. Mm-hmm. In Nashville, they do. For musicians and shit and, and artists and all that, they got a regular schedule, nine to five. Motherfuckers take a lunch. They done by five o'clock. They going back home to their families and shit. Young motherfuckers and hip-hop and all that kind of shit, R&B, they're in the studio at 11 o'clock at night, 2 in the morning because their phones aren't going off so they can focus and do their shit. But most folk don't know that. They just think that motherfuckers went in that day, recorded the shit because it came out today. And they don't know that a motherfucker probably had this song for three years Mm -hmm. and didn't do shit with it until now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That part they don't know until you tell them. That's the crazy part. That, and oddly enough for me, that's what I love about this industry is that they don't know that. And when you tell them, they're shocked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh. Little simple shit that they don't know. Yeah. I always love those stories, though, like like the story you just shared about the T-Pain record. It's like you, mm-hmm. like how many people have probably heard that song? Like millions of people, right? Like I've I remember being like in like fifth grade hearing that song like on the radio like every freaking day. So like. That was, like, such a huge fucking... Rat. And, like, T-Pain was one of the... At that time, like, 2007, 2008, he was, like, one of the biggest artists in the world at the time. So, like, if, if like, someone... Like I said, if someone, like, heard that story, especially someone that, like, came up, you know, listening to T-Pain or listening to, like, Akon and all those other people at that time, like, they would never have guessed that. But, like I, like we said before, it's that goes back to, like, the whole, like, mystical side of everything. Like, there's really, like a side that the public doesn't get to see, but it's so awesome at the end of the day. It just makes everything, like, so much cooler to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy, though. So thank you for sharing that one. That was that yeah. was probably one of the best stories. Absolutely, though. man. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. That's what I'm here for, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, only got, uh, I only got a few more uh, questions for you, and then we'll uh, wrap up. Yeah. So uh, if you could go back 10 years ago, Maybe give yourself advice, maybe change anything, or maybe you wouldn't change anything at all. What do you think you'd do? Ooh-wee. <clears throat> if I could go back 10 years? Ooh. So we're in 2021. So we're talking about 2011. 2011, yep. Mm. I, I would tell myself, my younger self, self. And then I say, what? (laughs) No, but uh, I would honestly tell me, bruh, don't expect 
motherfuckers to immediately jump on your bandwagon. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to hit you back. They're not. The labels aren't going to do their job. They're not going to really support you. They, they don't really fuck with you. You're a commodity. Y'all aren't friends. This is the business of music, not the friendship of music. Understand it's a business that is filled with fucking sharks. Just be ready for the fucking ride. You can do it. Don't take the shit personally, too personally. But if shit gets personal, do what you need to do to move the fuck on. That's what I would tell me. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow because now I know that. But then, man, you talking about pure frustration, hell, just... Uh, locked in a publishing deal they don't mm. fuck with you you can't get in the it, it, it bruh i'll say this and i mean this shit and i mean if you blast this on whatever podcast i don't give a shit it amazes the shit out of me that publishers do not do their jobs anymore it absolutely befuddled the fuck out of me how i'm signed to universal and universal is having trouble linking me with artists that are on the same fucking label y'all we are all under umpg Makes Y'all no sense. I don't understand. We we all a part of the same company, and I can't get in a room with them. Oh, y'all don't know what I do, but you signed me. This is y'all. That's their job. You're familiar with my catalog. <laughs> what 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 is? But what, oh, okay, because you keep changing personnel, and then I have to get assigned a new point person that doesn't know anything about me or what I do. But I got to prove myself to them, even though y'all signed me. My bad. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what I would tell me. <laughs> that's what I would tell me. I mean, it's befuddling, bro. It's kind of interesting. Like this summer, like we had like Hip Boy come out and kind of give like a little bit of light on his situation, which is kind of similar where he's been in that deal for so long. And like that's someone like him who's done so much, especially in the last couple of years. He's, his name has grown more and more and more. And like for him to still be dealing with that, it just goes to show that like what what is happening to the younger people. You know what I mean? Like what's happening to the people that don't have any leverage, don't have any experience. Like, they're getting pride screwed over even more. You know what I mean? So, Well, the, 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 I think the bad part a lot of times, and I will fault myself, and I would tell this to myself as well, do your homework. Don't expect that motherfuckers are just going to do right by you mm-hmm. all because of what you've learned in school regarding classes you've taken re, uh, uh affiliated with business and ethics mm-hmm. motherfuckers aren't ethical i've been to motherfuckers houses and eating dinner with their families and shit and in the same fucking meeting these motherfuckers are trying to bend me over with a sandpaper condom like bruh what i thought we were we're not friends oh my bad i was supposed to do my homework and understand uh okay that that's my fault and a lot of times people get in terrible ass deals because they haven't done their homework. Mm-hmm. It's not that person's job to tell you what all of this language means in this deal. They are signing you to. You're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to understand what an MDRC is. You're supposed to understand what a three song deal at 300% means. You're supposed to understand what a term plus two or three options is all about. That's not their job to explain that to you. They just threw money in your face. And that was all you were excited about. They said, here, we're going to give you $500,000 right now. And if you sign for $500,000, they're going to give you two fifty. dollars Right now, as soon as you sign on dotted line, you coming from absolutely nothing. You ain't going to take it. And that's how you think. That's how we think coming from the position of I'm just trying to get money. You haven't heard a young motherfucker say, I'm trying to get as much knowledge as possible to get and maintain my money. They don't say that. They say, I'm trying to get money. So these companies do exactly that. Give you money. And you didn't know that you signed two-thirds of your life away. Mm-hmm. 
for money. Is that their fault or yours? See what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I would tell me. Don't get mad at them for doing what they're doing. It's kind of like the old saying. I'm sure you may have heard it before. You can't get mad at a motherfucking snake for biting you when you knew what that was a fucking mm -hmm. snake. Just because it was stuck up under a rock and shit and you wanted to be helpful and move the rock out the way. The motherfucker <laughs> bit you and ran. You didn't know it was a snake? You, you thought it was something else? It was disguised as this wonderful butterfly? <laughs> no, bro. You knew it was a snake? What are you doing? That's what I would tell me. I would tell you that. I tell anybody in this business, do your homework. Do what you are supposed to do. Because they're not going to do it for you. I think that goes like across the board too with everything about this like journey is like you have to be the one looking out for yourself before anyone else does. If you're not looking out for yourself, then why would you entrust other people every time to do that for you? Because eventually those people might move on, things might change, and then you're left with nothing. And then you have literally nothing to go by and now you're kind of screwed. So like <laughs> it's And that's what and in this business of music a lot of times these artists, producers or writers or whomever whatever big wigs we're talking about they all feel as though their friendship slash fake friendship is enough to sustain you in your shit. Hey, we cool, so I keep calling you to come to this session so you should be cool with that. No, I'm going to be cool with you giving me my percentage on this song that I helped you write. Not because you called me and I came through and you smoked dope and I listened to a bunch of records you did 13 years ago. Like, I need you. What? Nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, a lot of cats don't do that. And after being in this business, as long as I have, I understand why now certain people can be friends for years but fall out because of this music shit all because the business was handled poorly but the question becomes who's at fault the motherfucker that did the dirty shit or the motherfucker that allowed the dirty shit to be done mm. what would you say I feel like nowadays too, like just this conversation alone is like you're giving this information to listeners, right? So they're going to be able to hear this and be like, okay, they should be absorbing that information and being like, if I'm ever in this position, I should be able to take what I've learned and now apply it to the situation. I feel like it's gotten easier, in my opinion at least, it's gotten easier for new like music makers to kind of have that base knowledge to begin with because I feel like back in the day there wasn't people sharing this information with people people either didn't know or they just didn't want to share it with people and there wasn't like social media there wasn't like ways to get that info so now i feel like like the decision like what you just said like if you're that dumb to make that decision that's kind of on you i feel like it's getting even more that way because if you make it nowadays like there you could find this information out now in a lot of different spots and like That's I just said, I like, say, yes. like I just said, like we we saw Hip Boy, who's one of the biggest producers in the world right now, share that with everyone and be like, "This is the situation I'm in. This is what I'm dealing with." And like, I don't want to see anyone else fall victim to that. Like, I want to see people get in good situations and be able to prosper and have like a long career. And so, like, yeah, I feel like if if you're really serious about it, you gotta like, like we said, do the digging yourself like you got to figure it out and figure out what you want and like what you're trying to do and don't be in a rush for it either like you got to have patience like the whole thing is like having long run patience realizing that it's going to take years and years and years and like you might not but that's something that but that part right there is not what's being fed to people exactly. what's being fed to people is you can do this shit right now mm -hmm. and you can be a hot producer right now just because you got this program you get these samples and you move this shit over like this and blah 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 now you're a producer mm -hmm. or now you because you put out a record now you know the music business sir ma'am you do not mm -hmm. you still don't know there's a lot of shit you don't know. And your job, because you want to be a part of this shit, you need to do your homework. It would be the same thing as a motherfucker. It's just as important as the steps you would take in becoming a doctor. 
when you want to be a doctor as badly as you want to be a doctor. You can't jump straight to medical school. At some point in your journey of being a doctor, you got to do four years of regular, simple fucking college. Then you got to go get your master's and some shit. And then do a field of study and do some blah, blah, blah. But first and foremost, you're going to have to do these four years of fucking college. There's no other way around the shit. But people don't teach that now. People just tell motherfuckers, you can go get this equipment and then put these records out and then you'll be hot as shit. Mm. But they're not telling them if you sample somebody's music, you don't own the publishing of that song, sir or ma'am. The publishing that is generated off of this song belongs to the original motherfucker you sampled. And I don't give a fuck how much of the song you sampled. If you just got, hey, it's still their song. They don't owe you shit. But you put it out, and because everybody else told you you can put this record out and become a star, you are a star. Now you're getting sued. For all of this bread that you made off of a record that all you had to do was simply write in the credits and register the song as this song is written by Quincy Jones. Doesn't take anything away from your notoriety. It just gives the publisher their fucking money. But you didn't know that your livelihood <laughs> like <laughs> and the mere fact that you didn't know that but you telling me what you about to make i.e. money and you just said it this shit is out there it's readily accessible the fucking internet is a motherfucker mm-hmm. this to the fucking telephones and computers period you have access to the fucking planet right here in your fucking hand you can go look that shit up. Mm-hmm. Most folk are not trying, like you just said, they're not trying to really put years into this shit. Mm-hmm. Really dig into detail and find out, okay, publishing this. But, oh, okay, well, okay, so I get it. Well, okay, right on, I get it. To understand the shit that they want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So I don't, that's why I don't feel bad for these cats that are getting jerked around when it comes to, like, the issue with Meg the Stallion and the deal she signed it. She signed it. She had her mother look at Ma'am, your mother doesn't know anything about the music business. So just because she looked over the shit, I understand that she But she doesn't know that's business. And you still got dicked. Mm-hmm. No one, these folks don't know what 360 deal means. They don't. They're just seeing images of someone with a fan of money standing in front of a car with uh, more than $300,000 worth of jewelry in their mouth, ears, and fucking dick. Okay. Got it. <laughs> well, I, so I agree with you, yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that, too, because, like, to me, that kind of stuff separates, like, the people that really love it and, like, want to do it between the people that just say they want to do it and just are in it for, like, the very bare minimum of what they could get and what they're just seeing other people have. They don't understand that what you don't see is all the shit that that person went through to get there. They're not – it's not – it's never just an easy, like, overnight, here it is and there it is, like – Never. It's never. I don't even care about the people that like. They say you go viral and like. There has to be shit there that we never saw that they went through. No matter what, like that's just how it is. Major grind of yeah. some sort mm-hmm. that happened for a long time before mm-hmm. you finally saw these. This little thirty second blah 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 mm-hmm. that made them a sensation. 
it's just like a hard pill to swallow though for people and i i don't i don't know what else to tell people usually besides like how you're putting it right now is just like you have to accept some of these like cold hard truths you know what i mean like it just is what it is like it (laughs) unfortunately what people don't understand and it's a lot of young people don't really understand i went through it when i was young uh, I I tell people all the time that I get it that the the patience is not there because you want it so badly, but that you going through the years of what you're doing is what prepares you for that big ass moment mm-hmm. that you worked hard for. Because if I made the money that I've made in my life with this music shit when I was nineteen. No way in the fuck you be talking to me right now. No way. I am a bona fide dumbass. There's no way I'm going to do right by $500,000 at 19. Uh-uh. Mm. No kids, no responsibility, no motherfucking nothing. At night, bruh. No, no. 26. Here I am with several millions of dollars in my I got to, I had to go through the dumb shit or the hard shit to be able to get to the spot and I get further along. It's like, okay, now I understood why I dealt with that dumb shit here Mm. because I can handle it now. I get why I'm now here. And like you said, I don't know what to tell anybody else. I always just think about how old folks used to talk to me. They would say shit like, bruh, you either gonna shit get off the pot I don't know what to tell you you either gonna do this work or you're not just because you do a motherfucker told me like this you produce now and because you produce it if you do a hundred goddamn tracks where you produce them 50 of them gonna be garbage the other 50 gonna be pretty cool out of those 50 25 gonna be like pretty nice out of those 25, 10 of them could possibly go. And out of those 10, four of them might be heard. And from those four, a motherfucker might look at one. And that's out of 100. Now he said, because I told you that, you either gonna do that shit and get to the place where you're gonna be sweet as fuck it it is as simple as that though it's like 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 we just said it's just like you wish you had like an easier way to give people like oh i wish like you could do this this and this and like but it's really just the work you know what i mean like it's the work it's doing it every single day staying consistent building self-discipline like it's all that it's all the things that people don't want people don't want to do people don't want to view it like as a job like we said like they don't want to view it like that they want to be like oh i just want to have fun and just do this this and this and i don't want to it becomes fun once it is embedded in yes but you have to get to that point it may even start out fun but i can guarantee you once it starts getting complex you'll start hating that shit Mm -hmm. But that's where the mothers, that's where you're on the precipice. Oh, goddammit, either you're going to keep going and be sweet as fuck, or you're going to put this shit down and say, fuck this, I'll never fuck this again. Mm-hmm. You got to go, you got to go through the tests. Like, that's just you life in, that's just life in general. I mean, the tests are always there. People, because they're not genuinely giving that information, mm-hmm. it kind of, it produces a society or a generation of motherfuckers that start and don't fucking finish. Or it produces, I say and, or it produces the generation of motherfuckers that want to be praised for mediocrity. Mm. That's an even heavier fucking conversation, bro, that a lot of motherfuckers don't want to have. I am not that motherfucker, that, I'm not that believer in giving motherfuckers participation trophies. I do not, uh-uh. No. Don't nobody give a fuck that you're doing this shit. Nobody give a fuck that you play piano. So, you know how many motherfucking mm-hmm. piano players I know? You know how motherfucking many piano players I know that are dope as fuck, 
this is what you need to listen to. You need to listen to a bunch of Stevie records. If you're trying to get sweet, listen to these Oscar Peterson records. Listen to this Ray Garland. Listen to this early motherfucking Elton John. Listen to fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, they put you up on game. Instead of looking at you, you putting out or constantly listening and doing dumb shit and the shit is wacking. Motherfuckers holding your hand telling you, yeah, this is great. I mean, you ain't even. <laughs> we not no, no, that's what I do with my son. No, I gotta do that. That's what you're supposed to do with parent as a parent. But you're an adult now. If you garbage, I'm gonna look right at you. Yeah, you need to keep shit. That shit is garbage. Which will be true. Like they yeah, it's great. Woo woo. What do you mean? That would be again, that would be the equivalent of you want me to give you praise if you operate if you're a doctor and you're an open heart surgeon and you told me operating on my uncle and you come back and you say, Yeah, you know, we repaired like most of his heart. But you know, he's still in that gushing blood right now. Like What the fuck? <laughs> you gonna you go fix that shit? <laughs> you want me to praise it's you? Gonna, it's gonna leave the guy blood? leave the guy on the table. Oh man, that's hilarious! <laughs> what are we doing? Oh. It will be you for a partially cooked chicken. <laughs> the chicken's still raw, but we can eat it, maybe. Other shit around is cooked, but the fucking chicken's not done, and you want me to be excited that you made me dinner? Uh. like that with the younger generation or people that really believe that because they've been doing some shit a cool little second that you are to be commended as what I see people throwing out there lightly now a genius or Mm. you're the goat and I've been saying that shit so much like everybody can't be the goat like y'all just throw that shit around like everybody's a genius everybody's the goat do y'all know what goat means like what the (laughs) fuck are you talking about everybody's the goat now we celebrate mediocrity, bro, and I can't. I I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think could. that I think that personally, that's fucked up. If I do that, because I'm not genuinely helping you. Mm-hmm. Because if I tell you that whatever you're doing is dope as shit, and it's not, you gonna get out there in the real world and do your shit, and then your feelings get hurt, and you gonna be mad at me <laughs> because I told you. This shit was dope, but all of these other motherfuckers you run to are telling you, no, nah, bro, it's garbage. That shit is got you. I'm the only motherfucker telling you it's dope, but they, come on, man, somebody got to be lying. So you saying everybody else lying? Come on, bro. Like, I, I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like that's, I just think that that's fucked up if I do that. If I'm sitting up here trying to, nah, I, I'm gonna tell you straight up, like, nah, you need to shed or this turn the snare down or you know your vocals are like mm, or you not you not ready to be out on the road mm. you know what I mean mm. that's just where I come from man well man you just gave so many gems like I, I feel like that that's <laughs> we should just wrap it right there cause like you just gave like a ton of shit that like we haven't had on the show yet and like I fuck I'm loving all this shit like to this extent, I'd say no. Like we've had some good stuff, but like you're you're just giving it cold hard facts, man. Like this is great. This is great. I'm loving this. But like I think we could wrap it there because we just passed the hour mark. Um, oh, okay. Preach, yeah. man. I I gotta thank you, bro. Like for being on the show. Like I was waiting for this episode, and it was everything I expected, and then some. Like man, just I I really appreciate it. Like I said, and like hopefully we could do this again. You know, one day, maybe in person. Let me know. Yeah, we'll, Let me see know what, when. we'll see what happens, man. Thank you guys for listening today. That was episode number 35. We'll be back this time next week. I did want to mention we just launched the Proven Knowledge uh, shop, which is an online store. If you go to provenknowledge.net backslash shop, you can get the first uh, drop we did for merch. We did six men's products and six women's products, as well as the first hat. Uh, if you follow me on social media or the Proven Knowledge page, you've probably seen the hat that I've had for the past couple years. Um, 
So it's just kind of like the original hat. We're gonna have more designs coming very soon. And we're gonna have more drops coming very soon. I uh, spent the majority of the quarantine last year kind of getting this whole thing together. I'm you know, proud that we finally are able to put it out and um, kind of give you guys some you know, physical goods to kind of uh, buy if you want to or support if you want to. And uh, like I said, these are the very basic drops, kind of just a logo, uh, some t-shirts, some hoodies, some long sleeves, basic stuff. But we'll have more merch coming very soon. And like I said, uh, we'll be back this time next week with another great episode. So thank you guys for listening once again.